Promotional consideration for growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Drexel University, the General Building Contractors Association, and Independence Blue Cross. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Welcome in, everybody, and we're thrilled to be joined this week by our good friend and our colleague, Kelly Diley of Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. Kelly, it's great to have you back on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thanks, Matt. I'm very happy to be back this week. One of my favorite aspects of business and, frankly, of doing a program like this is being part of a team a team that comes together to accomplish a goal, whether it's to complete a project or develop a product or embark on a new initiative. I agree. I love my team at Drexel. I work with some fantastic people and it's really shaped my experience. And I've also learned that In order to do something successfully, in order to get the result that you want, you need to have collaboration, okay? You need to exchange thoughts and ideas and hear from a variety of perspectives. And those ideas that are created, they're usually created with the skilled team, and the outcomes are really pretty impressive. This week, we focus on two businesses that really pride themselves on collaboration. They recognize the importance of working towards a unified goal. Yes, and the healthcare system in our greater Philadelphia region truly exemplifies that. Through several of our conversations here in Growing Greater Philadelphia, we had the opportunity to speak with some of these amazing leaders in the industry who strive to improve treatment for patients. In this episode, our first interview, it features Marty Lupinetti. He's the uh, executive director of an organization called Health Share Exchange of Southeastern Pennsylvania. Marty and his team, they partnered with the team at Independence Blue Cross to create and grow this novel information sharing platform for patients and equally important for the healthcare professionals who are caring for those patients. So now, the hospitals and the medical clinics and the doctors can access a patient's entire medical history that is really tied to a unified and collaborative system that allows for the sharing of health information in real time. Wow, that's really cool. That can also be extremely useful, you know, saving a lot of time and and money and most importantly, enhancing the level of care that doctors provide their patients. Dr. Richard Snyder is the chief medical officer of Independence Blue Cross, and here he explains the problem that he and his team in Independence were working to solve when creating the HealthShare Exchange. So if you think about the internet and your ability to to go out there and search for information and find it for whatever question you want to ask, Mm -hmm. that's not available in healthcare. It's increasingly becoming available in healthcare as as entities like HealthShare Exchange start to to patch together and link the the sources of information, the the repositories of information inside electronic medical records. But realistically, when you go to the doctor, you would think that they know what your specialist, what your hospital has prescribed, and, and what tests have been done and what the results are in actuality in the past. That didn't happen. Right. There's no linkage. There's no linkage. And and patients perpetually are frustrated with the fact that they get to the doctor and the doctor doesn't even know why they were in the hospital. Right. Or, you know, you get to your consultant, to your specialist, and Mm -hmm. they haven't received the records from your primary care physician. So this was, by design, a very different kind of health information exchange 
in that we wanted to leverage the knowledge that we as a payer have. We know who all of your physicians are and what hospitals you go to because we've received claims from them. The hospitals, if they send a record to HealthShare, we match it up, say, wow, the patient's uh, primary care physician is John Smith. Let's send a copy to John Smith. Right. And let's send a copy to the insurance company because that way they can pass it along to the other providers. Try right. to patch this together to make it a, a much more cohesive experience for a patient. With technology today, digitally linking healthcare records with the click of a mouse, it might seem like a no-brainer. So how is it possible that no one up until this point has actually made it happen? A lot of people recognized the problem. Not many people understood exactly what we had to do to fix the problem. Gotcha. So payers, think of payers as having very broad, but typically shallow data. We know everything that a patient is getting done for which a claim was submitted for payment. Gotcha. Okay. On the flip side, a physician or a hospital has very deep records about the care that they have provided to that patient. But if you're not bringing them together in one place, you're only seeing a piece of the care that a patient is getting. And if you wonder why medical errors and harm brought on by the healthcare delivery system happens, it's because we make decisions to treat somebody in a vacuum without knowing the rest of the story. Right. So what I think happened with you and your team at Independence Blue Cross is you're sitting around a table and you're trying to figure out potential solutions. And one of the quintessential things that I love about Philadelphia and greater Philadelphia in general is we are collaborators. We're also innovators, but I love the fact that we think about, well, how do we solve this and how do we include other people? And it sounds like that's a process that you and your team went through at Independence. That's right. I mean, we've long had close working relationship with uh, the health systems in Philadelphia and, and provider organizations in Philadelphia. Working together on improving quality of the way that healthcare is delivered through, for example, the Healthcare Improvement Foundation. Long-standing relationship there. So we're very accustomed to working with the provider community. And I think, you know, as we were trying to incentivize the provider community to transform the way care is delivered, the, the thing we kept coming back to is a physician needs to have all the available information about a patient in order to provide the highest quality yep. and best coordinated care. And so we did. We got together with health systems and a couple of payers, AmeriHealth Caritas, which is our Medicaid plan, and Health Partners, which also is a Medicaid plan here in, in Philadelphia. Yep. And in a room with providers and, and payers, we sat around and we tried to figure out how could we exchange information much more efficiently with each other and leverage the relationships that we each have with our members and our patients. Gotcha. And Marty, were you one of the folks around the table at that time? So I, I was originally part of this as a consultant. Okay. And of course, we have to have consultants. Yeah, right, right. right. No to meetings start, complete. That's right. <laughs> so to start to uh, build out a business plan, we needed to think about sustainability financially. How are we going to stand up the uh, technology, the the staffing around this, and so forth. So we built that plan. We shopped that plan and initially got some state and CMS grants that really enabled us to have funding to really launch the effort. And just to underscore Rich's comment about collaboration, just an amazing collaborative effort yep. this was. Very unique across the country to really have 
health plans providers that compete in this marketplace coming together right sharing ideas sharing ways to really expose the data in a better way make it more actionable for the provider really all centered on the patient and what gives better patient outcomes so pretty amazing to see and there are many folks that volunteer time to this effort i yep. think at last count it's about 220 plus people that are involved in this organization at some shape or size, whether they're part of a committee or they they volunteer to help in a privacy matter or whatever it might be, they're involved in really clinically trying to look at this to make it the best it can be. Wow, that's impressive. And, and I do love the fact that organizations who all share a common theme of helping people, really, at the end of the day, that's what healthcare providers are all doing, including folks at Independence Blue Cross, whether you know people look at it as a payer it's really a continuity of care in order to help people live better right. lives but coming back to that point marty talk about those early days and how the health share exchange has evolved so this market ironically did not jump in this game as an early adopter right many uh hies across the country and this takes a variety of shapes and sizes given state given geography given the type of players that are involved in that market, this market decided to wait and really see mm. kind of how the rest of the country sort of evolved and and supported this this effort. And really, to our benefit, we got a, a lot of lessons learned from a variety of states and initiatives across the country. That's one benefit of kind of waiting a little bit Absolutely. and seeing how this plays out. Absolutely. And we were able to start much smaller and try some things, prove them out, and then add service and capability on top of that. So it really gave us a a, uh, a great way to kind of move this to the level of trust, if you will, among the community. And Rich, my question for you is, you guys have made a lot of progress over a short period of time, at least from my perspective. What's next? Is this going to go, and is it possible to really get into a national or super regional kind of approach? Well, as you know, our organization stands for human-centric innovation and putting our members at the center of the healthcare delivery system or the ecosystem. And as part of that, we do want to empower the data that we have at HealthShare in different and meaningful ways for people, people mm -hmm. who use the healthcare delivery system. So Mar I'll let Marty talk a little more about Market Street, which is the embodiment of that. But realistically, there are a lot of companies who want to get in and use their tools to make the data that sits at HealthShare Exchange more accessible, more usable for the consumer, for the patient, for yep. the for the uh, maybe the provider who's helping a patient. Right. Great. Yeah. If you think about it, as we've aggregated more and more data, I mentioned the seven million patients and growing every day. That data becomes very valuable for a variety of uses. So the next sort of uh, set of services we want to move into is population health, right? Mm -hmm. How do we look at a population and look at certain chronic conditions across that population and really help to troubleshoot and care for that population in right. some way? So we have data to support that. 
to Rich's point about Market Street, it's now engaging the consumer, right? We feel we've got three legs of the stool. We've got provider, we've got plan, Mm -hmm. and now we want the consumer part of this equation as well. So how do we engage the consumer directly to their data? Not everyone else's data, but just your or my data. How do we want to use that data in support of a particular app or some some way of helping our healthcare personally? So that's kind of the direction we're heading. Not abandoning the HIE, but kind of augmenting that, looking at pop health and then consumer-directed value. Yeah, that makes sense. There's there's another, uh, I think, very unique capability that HealthShare has built. And again, it's in the spirit of collaboration. All of the hospitals and the payers have worked to do this, to develop this. With the Pope visiting Philadelphia Mm-hmm. Back in, in 2015. Yeah, yeah. 2015. Yeah. We were concerned with the the massive number of people that were going to descend on Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. What if? What if there's an incident? What if there is – how are we going to know where patients are? How would we help to reunify a family who right. comes in to visit a, an ill family member? Right. And we actually built the capability, demonstrated that we could exchange records with the Vatican, if we need to, right. demonstrated that we can together, as HealthShare Exchange, understand immediately where anyone is in the, in the healthcare ecosystem here in Philadelphia, so that we could help assist families in getting back together with family and loved ones. Wow, that's and, really and, impressive. And so we've turned that capability on for all of the major events that we've had here. To hear more from Dr. Snyder and Marty Lupinetti about the HealthShare Exchange and its impact on the healthcare ecosystem in our region, check out the full interview at 1210wpht.com slash select. As a construction professional, how do you operate on an active operating room? We find out next. With a gross regional product of $420 billion, Greater Philadelphia is in the top three among all metropolitan areas of the northeastern United States. To learn more about the regional economy, visit selectgreaterphl.com. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Comcast NBC Universal, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Comcast is a global media and technology company that drives information to create the best entertainment and connectivity experiences. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Temple University, a proud supporter of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. One in seven Philadelphians are Temple graduates. Learn more about Temple University at temple.edu. Welcoming new neighbors to the community is part of who we are. It's the Philadelphia way. That's why Select Greater Philadelphia invites you to their annual Welcome to Greater Philadelphia cocktail reception. It's our chance to say thanks for making Philadelphia your home. Thursday, October 25th, an evening filled with meaningful conversations and new friendships. Register at selectgreaterphl.com slash events. Presented in partnership with Comcast, a global media and technology company that drives innovation. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Wells Fargo, a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Wells Fargo is a diversified, community-based financial services company with a strong vision of satisfying the financial needs of their customers and helping them succeed financially. Wells Fargo provides banking, mortgage, investments, consumer, and commercial financial services. Learn more at wellsfargo.com or call 1-800-869-3557. Copyright 2018, Wells Fargo Bank N.A., all rights reserved, member. FDIC. Select greater PHL.com for stories.
stories of our collective community and the mission of Select Greater Philadelphia to grow the economic vibrancy of our region. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia. We here on Growing Greater Philadelphia often talk about how revolutionary our life sciences and education organizations are in our region. Seven medical schools, three schools of pharmacy, two schools of podiatric medicine. It's a really incredible place. And not to mention a world-class veterinary school. <laughs> I'm going to call you Mr. Wizard. <laughs> it's one of my favorite fun facts. We have so many amazing assets in Greater Philadelphia when it comes to the life sciences. It's really incredible. Well, That's why I know them so well. Well, I'm impressed, but I'm even more impressed with your body of knowledge, okay? <laughs> to stay innovative, these organizations have to keep up to date with modern technology. This requires a lot of things, such as consistent improvements and advancements. And it all adds up to new construction and regular renovations at active hospitals, you know, lots of different places, even museums. And this is no easy task. And one prominent company in the building industry doing just that is HSC Builders and Construction Managers. Jim Viner, he's the president and CEO. And here he explains how they got their start. HSC was founded in 1988 by Jay Heim. And Jay Heim uh, spent the beginning of his career working in construction management on the builder side and then spent about five years on the owner side managing projects for clients in the pharmaceutical industry. And what Jay noticed was there was a gap in services provided in construction management. The big firms, capable, technically capable, experts in construction, focusing on the big work. Uh, the smaller firms had less expertise. And so when you had a small job that was technically and logistically challenging, the big firms wouldn't pay attention and the small firms weren't capable. And Jay said, you know what, there's a niche there. I'm going to develop a company that focuses on the pharmaceutical market and the healthcare market where technically and logistically challenging projects are normal. And we're going to focus on that and provide services where there aren't any. Most people don't necessarily appreciate what construction management is, and I was hoping you could talk with us a little bit about the nuances of construction management. Sure, I'd love to. Construction management typically is the management of a project from through the design process and the construction process where you're joining hands with the architects and engineers and owners, not just for the building of the job, but for the planning of the project as well. And there's a, an old traditional method called the design-bid-build method, where an owner has a concept, and he, he explains that to a design team. A design team goes off and designs it. Yep. They show it to the owner. He says, change this, change that, but okay, that's what I want. They put it out to bid to several contractors. Contractors have to be the lowest bid to win the work. So they start looking for holes in the drawings and problems with the design and they cut their bids so that they win the work and then they take advantage of the problems for change orders later. Gotcha. And it ends up being more of a boxing match yep. than a collaboration. I was going to say, it sounds like what you just described is very much of a historically a siloed effect. Extremely. And, and what you've created is something that's a little bit more collaborative and unified. So construction management help bring the builder into the design process. 
So, you know, one of the things that, you know, intrigues me in general is how we interact with people, how we're successful in leading organizations. And it struck me that you have some specific beliefs that touch on not just what I would call the technical expertise, but it's this emotional intelligence that you embrace and what you look for in balancing relationships, not only with employees, but with your clients and with your partners as well. And and I know it's something that you're proud of, and I was hoping you could expand a little bit more on that kind of philosophy. From a, I guess, a technical standpoint, emotional intelligence in a simplified description would be taking a deep breath and thinking before you react. You know, you have that fight or flight reaction where, or you touch a hot burner on the stove and you pull your finger away mm-hmm. and it's just an immediate reaction. Employing emotional intelligence would be to take a break during the impulse to react and thinking about what the right reaction is for the situation. So in construction, a business that really has been described as builders want to do what they want to do, people don't listen to each other, a lot of strong personalities, it really takes a lot more than that to work with everybody. It's about listening and saying, what does my client want? It's about listening to a subcontractor and saying, what do they need to be able to be productive on a job site? It's about having a conversation with the client and understanding that client. Mm -hmm. Do they want a solution when you present the problem? Or do they want to know about the problem right away so that they think they're informed? Yeah, and And can help with the solution. And then they can help with the solution. But what kind of client are you working with? What kind of subcontractor are you working Mm -hmm. with? What kind of architect and engineer are you working with? And modifying how you work Mm -hmm. to maximize the results of working with that individual or with that organization. And so instead of just dictating how things are done, or managing with a stick, you have a conversation, you understand what matters both to the project and to the individuals you're working with, and you address it that way. This is Harrison Auditorium, and then we're doing the Harrison entrance, which we took out. That's Rick Ford of the HSC team. And what he would have gone on to say is that he and his team, they're working on an infrastructure project at the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. The dusty stage was set as the skilled workers hammered away at the historic white staircase in this regal dome-shaped auditorium. The world-renowned academics and lecturers who have shared their knowledge with eager students at this distinctive space are etched in every nook and cranny of the aged plaster. Moments before our visit to this iconic institution, which by the way is located in the University City neighborhood of West Philadelphia, there were literally crowds of museum goers who were immersing themselves in the historical artifacts on display. And now, well now, it's an active construction site. In order to complete such a massive yet intricate project in an active public space, it requires a highly skilled team And it's an expertise that the HSC builders and construction managers have truly mastered. Here, Jim explains some of the organizations that he and his team collaborate with. We've been really fortunate. We have a long-term relationship with the University of Pennsylvania, particularly the health system. We've been working at Presbyterian Hospital for over 20 years, almost nonstop. We have a project manager and a superintendent, or several at times, that really working there 24-7, 365 days a year. We know their campus. We know how they like to work. We have a similar relationship with Mainline Health. 
a 30-year relationship with Johnson & Johnson. Wow. That's great. Uh, we're over 20 years at Princeton University. Mm-hmm. We're doing, for the University of Pennsylvania, their archaeology museum mm-hmm. is undergoing their most major renovation in over 130 years. And uh, we are doing infrastructure work there. Uh, we just finished a job for EMD Millipore in the Navy Yard, mm-hmm. creating office and lab space there. We have a radiation oncology building that we're building for University of Pennsylvania. We're up at Einstein right now, redoing their emergency department. We're fortunate to be working in Titusville and New Brunswick mm-hmm. and Raritan for J&J. You guys are all over the place. And if you could talk a little bit about the nuance of that level of science and technology, whether it's a lab space or an experience that a patient may feel when he or she enters into a medical facility at Nemours or at Penn or at Einstein. There's several dimensions in construction, and one of them is what you're building literally. When you work in healthcare and higher education and in the pharmaceutical business, you get to build some technical stuff, Mm -hmm. operating rooms, MRI machines, emergency departments. Uh, You're building spaces on the pharmaceutical side that have to be clean. When they're making injectable drugs, there Mm -hmm. is an enrolled environment, temperature, humidity, cleanliness are extremely important to their product. On the higher education, frankly, research and development is ongoing. It's cutting edge of research and development in many ways in our industry. And so we're getting to build some really cool technical things that have to work right when you turn the lights on. The other side is building on an occupied campus, building on a campus where our clients' important operations uh, need to go on. And so sometimes it's more than just what you're building, it's how you're building. Right. If we're next door to another studio, but if I was in a hospital building an OR, I could be next door to an operating room that is... Active. Yeah. So if I'm cutting wires above, I need to know what I'm cutting. Right. If I'm bringing materials in, I need to make sure that they come in in a flow so that I minimize the construction so that the hospital can get their operating room back Mm -hmm. to serve the general public. So we often say it's not always what we build, but how we build it. That's important. Absolutely. And that level of expertise that you've been able to develop over your career and that you and the team at HSC have embraced really distinguish you from other kinds of uh, very highly qualified construction teams. And as you articulated earlier, you have a niche in this area. We do. One of the cool jobs we're doing right now is for Nemours Hospital uh, in Wilmington. Uh, They had an existing million square foot facility and they built a new building next to it. Now that they've moved into their new building, they're going back to that million square foot existing facility and upgrading the facility. They have 80 air handling units that serve the building, and they need a whole new electrical infrastructure. So we're going into an active hospital, and we are taking the electric from the street all the way to the panels on every floor and every wing of every square foot of the building and replacing all the wiring and the electrical gear and substations while it's operating. Wow. And so we can't shut anything down. Right. Uh, We can't accidentally set off the fire alarm system. We need to understand when we shut something down what it affects. And so it takes a lot of planning. Consequences of making a mistake are significant. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we're succeeding. And that was one of the IPD projects, the lean concept projects, where we hired the mechanical and electrical firms to work with 
the construction manager and the owner during the design process and during the implementation process. If you imagine you replace 80 air handling units one at a time, the first one might not be as efficient as the last one. Right. So when you're doing all of those as one team and you constantly look for better ways to do it, you achieve savings throughout the process. Absolutely. And that whole lean process thinking and that integrated process is allowing you not only at HSC, but across the industry to be more successful. It is. Yeah, that's and great. it's catching on in the Philadelphia area. It's taken 20 years to travel across the country, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but yeah. we're glad it's here. Jim discusses how his company stitches together more successful projects, many in active medical facilities too, and it's online now at 1210wpht.com slash select. Growing Greater Philadelphia is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia. We're a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. And we're the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. We work to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our neighborhood. Thanks to our investors and partners who believe in our efforts. Special thanks to program producers Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez and writer Samara Grizel and our researcher Steve Boucher. Learn more at selectgreaterphl.com and tune into our podcast at 1210wpht.com slash select. This is a citizen's perspective on instant gratification presented by me, Terry Goggins, branch manager at Citizens Bank. Today, we live our lives on our phones. We can order food and have it delivered to our doorstep. We can request cars to come pick us up wherever we want. We can even find a date. And it all happens in a flash. On the Citizens Bank app, together with Zelle, you can send and receive money in minutes from just about anyone with a bank account in the U.S. Straight from your phone, too. And while some things on your phone, like your parents' Wi-Fi password, can be hard, capital T, lowercase c, 8, is that a O or a zero? Zelle is easy, the way sending and receiving money should be. Learn more about how our mobile app with Zelle can help you reach your potential at citizensbank.com slash Zelle. To receive money in minutes, the recipient's email address or U.S. mobile number must already be enrolled with Zelle. Only use Zelle to send money to people you know and trust. The Zelle services property of Early Warning Services, LLC. Wireless carrier text and or data charges may apply member FDIC. Citizens Bank is a brand name of Citizens Bank and Citizens Bank of Pennsylvania. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Stradley Ronan, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Stradley Ronan represents clients across the globe through its affiliation with Meritas, an international network of law firms in 230 markets and 80 countries overseas. Learn more about Stradley Ronan at stradley.com or call 215-564-8000. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that help businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn about the Philadelphia Navy Yard or other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com or call 215-568-4100. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by KPMG, a proud sponsor of the Select Greater Philadelphia Council. After opening its Philadelphia office in 1908, KPMG partners and professionals have enjoyed helping Philadelphia's business community grow and flourish for generations and kpmg looks forward to being a part of philadelphia's continued growth and prosperity learn more about kpmg and the firm's audit tax and advisory services at kpmg.com 
Greater Philadelphia is one of the most accessible cities in the United States. With its prime location between New York City and Washington, D.C., we can travel between major East Coast cities. For more information on Philadelphia's accessibility, visit selectgreaterphl.com and tune in every Friday morning at 5 on Talk Radio 1210.